Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint with me today. One of our new co-hosts, so proud to have her. Her name is Jamie Wilkerson. How are you today, Jamie? I am doing good. How are you? I am well. We're always glad to see you in our studio, and thanks for coming alongside once more. Now, this is your third program uh, on Viewpoint with us as a co-host. How are you feeling? I feel great. It's so amazing to be able to talk with people I can't see and to have a conversation with you as well. You know, it's kind of fun to be able to talk to people who can't talk back to you. Yes. (laughs) But wait a minute. We want everyone to know you actually can talk back to us. Mm -hmm. And that is we have a toll-free 24-hour line. It goes 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're always by the phone. And we'll give you this number at the end of our broadcast today. But just right now, write it down if you like. 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We'd love to hear from you. But for now, it's Jamie and I on the microphone, and we hope you'll join us. Stay tuned. When we come back, we're going to talk about how life can will deliver even more than enough good beyond what we hope, ask, or think. Jamie, I know you understand this, but in all the books that have ever been written, and there's some great books that have been written, there's one that stands out alone, and that's called the Bible. And whatever else people think about that book, that is a book that's had the greatest impact of anything ever written in all of human history, and it still still has impacts. And uh, as we think about the Bible, it's a collection of 66 different books, really. It's an anthology, you might say. And one of its most extraordinary features is the way in which These 66 different books written over a period of 1,500 years by many different authors on three continents in different languages, uh, it's all been woven together as if the product of one mind. There's There's a thread that goes through all 66 books, even though they were produced in different times and ages and languages and places, they're still like an editor who's over the whole thing. And that makes the Bible a unique phenomenon, but also... As you pull the books out one by one, they each have merit on their own. I mean, they stand on their own. And one of the most interesting books, honestly, I think, is a book we call John, the Gospel of John. It's one of the four biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four books, four of the 66 books in the Bible. And John is the record, the reflection, the memory, the biography of Jesus as written through the lens of a guy named John. John was a disciple, one of the 12, and so far as we know, he lived longer than the rest. The others all were murdered for their faith, but John lived to an old age, died of natural causes so far as we know. That's not to say his life was easy. He paid a steep price for his faith in Christ, but nevertheless, he lived on, and so this book of John is probably the last one of those four biographies written. Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written probably decades before John wrote his book. And as he was writing his book, he decided to look back on the life of Jesus. And as he did, he chose eight outstanding moments in Jesus' life to make a point. If you've read at the end of the book, Jamie, John says, you know, if all the things Jesus ever did were written down, if if I were to try and write down everything he did, everything I saw him do, all the books in the world couldn't contain them. But these things have been written so that you can believe that Jesus is actually the Messiah, which means the sent one of God. He is the son of God, John said, and that believing that you could find life in his name. All right, here we are, John, you and I, we've been walking through the last few weeks, those eight important moments in Jesus' life that John, an eyewitness, he's not telling us what somebody else told him, 
It's what he saw for himself. These eight things that he thinks are so compelling that it should cause us to believe that Jesus is in fact the Son of God, and if he is that, that we would find life. So he's writing this not just to prove a point, but to change us. And today we're looking at a story, one of those eight stories that he chose, and it's found in the ninth chapter of John, and it's a story of a man who is blind, and uh, Jesus is going to give him sight. It's going to be restored. It's kind of a long passage, so let's play back and forth, and uh, let's read it together. I'll start off. This is John chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or of his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world, Jesus said. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, Now go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, No, no, he looks just like him. But the beggar kept saying, Yes, I am the one. They asked, Who healed you? What happened? He told them, The man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put the mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, What's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. Then the Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see, so they called in his parents. They asked them, Is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he see now? His parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said he is old enough. Ask him. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. I do not know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I do know this, I was blind, and now I can see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they cursed him and said, you are his disciples, but we are the disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? 
We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he's ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. The gentle healer came into our town today. He touched blind eyes and the darkness left to stay. But more than the blindness, he took their sins away. The gentle healer came into our town today. The gentle healer came into our town today. He spoke one word that was all he had to say. And the one who had died just rose up straight away. The gentle healer came into our town today. Oh, he seems like just an ordinary man With dirty feet and rough but gentle hands But the words he says are hard to understand And yet he seems like just an ordinary The gentle healer, he left our town today. I just looked around and found he'd gone away. Some folks from town have followed him, they say. That the gentle healer is the truth, the life, the way. There are so many things in the story from John chapter 9 about this man who had been born blind that Jesus heals, he restores his sight, and then there's a big commotion about it. There's so much about this that jumps off the page at me, and I think probably to you too, Jamie. And that is, first up, that life is filled with broken places, isn't it? Yes, there is. I mean, here we have a guy who's born blind, and blindness can be a challenging disability. I mean, I think about my own eyes. I don't want to lose my sight. I had to have lens implants not long ago because I had cataracts because I'm an old guy, all right? Oh I remember the doctor telling me not to worry, Jim. I'm on the gurney. He's, he's getting ready to take me into the operating theater. I'm going under anesthesia. But he could see I'm a little stressed out. And he said, don't worry, Jim. This surgery will just take a moment. We've created these new lenses. I'm going to pop out your cataract. I'm going to give you a new lens. I can do each eye in 60 seconds or less. That's what he tells me. Wow. I remember, I remember <laughs> saying to him, hey, doc, not to worry. Take all the time in the world. These are my eyes. I'm not in a rush here. Because when I was thinking about what it would be like if I came out blind, I, I mean, that profoundly wouldn't. affected my life. And what I'm just here illustrating is that this man's dilemma, like so many dilemmas in life, Rob's life and our losses in life are the consequence of the devil's hand. God breathes life. He's the author of every good and perfect gift. But the devil robs, steals, and destroys. And this man had his vision destroyed from birth. And 
that's an emblem for all of us because I can see, but I've got other challenges. And Jamie, I'm sure you've had some challenges in your life too. All of us have faced things that are beyond our capacity to wrestle with. Uh, we may have suffered loss. And in all of those circumstances, we need to remember that Jesus is able to restore and make new. There's the first lesson. And he comes on this guy and he restores his sight. Now, what strikes you about the way in which the man was healed? His, his blindness was restored. I mean, does it seem kind of odd to you how Jesus got the way, him to be well? His method was very odd. <laughs> I, I, I love, though, that when Jesus restored his sight, he brought him to a condition that was better than what he had experienced before. But the method in which he went about bringing the, that restoration was very unusual. <laughs> yes, I mean, uh, sometimes the remedies that Jesus provides for us may be something that we couldn't have imagined, or maybe we don't even want to accept it. So we've got this picture of Jesus spitting in the dirt <laughs> and making mud. <laughs> we talk about making mud. There's mud, and then there's mud made with my own spit, or the spit of another person. Are you, are you serious? Right. You're going to put that on my eyes? Mm. But that's what happened. Much has been thought about over 20 centuries since this first occurred. What was that about? Couldn't Jesus just snap his fingers? Did he really need to make mud? I mean, what was that about? We don't know, but in the scripture, we'll find several intersections where God reaches down and intervenes in human life through something we might consider to be a strange remedy. And yet the Lord used it. In the Old Testament, there's a story of a guy named Naaman. He's got leprosy, and, and he wants to be healed. Leprosy was a deadly disease and a socially ostracizing disease in his time. And he wants to be healed, and God says, well, if you want to get clean, you have to go dip seven times in the river. And he's going, well, I don't want to do that. Well, hey, I'm just telling you, you want to do that? You, you want to get well? Here's how you do it. Again, a lesson, a big life lesson here is sometimes God is going to intervene in our lives and dare us to do something that we think, I'm not doing that. But actually, it's the key. It's the key to being made whole. And I love your point that what happens to the blind man is something better than anything he's ever imagined. He was blind from birth. What would it be like to suddenly open your eyes and to see? Mm -hmm. So far beyond his capacity to have imagined it, but now he could see. And that's what the Lord does. He provides remedies that are more than enough. They're not half steps. He's not just going to redeem your life in a little piece. He wants to make your life whole. He's not just going to help here in just like a little inch at a time. He wants to help you be whole. And John, who's the witness, remember, he's writing this down so we can believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That's his point. And when you have that in mind and you're reading through the text, you can see he's making the case, Jesus isn't like anybody else. This is not just a great teacher. He's not just a prophet. He's not a military leader. He's not a political leader. He's not just a professor. He's not just a smart guy. He's That's not right. a scientist. He's God. That's right. And he can do what nobody else can do. All right, but here's another thing. When this miracle takes place, the guy can see. I mean, it's an astounding moment. And what's the crowd doing? They're talking about, well, we're not sure about the guy that made him see. <laughs> I would be saying, wow, he right. can see. I want to follow that guy. <laughs> I, want, I want to know more about that guy. Yeah. But these guys, they don't want to really know more about Jesus. They just want to find out dirt on Jesus. They exactly. just want to pull Jesus down because... Whenever you have the power to change lives, mm -hmm. you become a threat to the established order. Yes. Let's remember that. Yes. Whenever somebody can actually intervene supernaturally in life and make it better and can jump over all the things that the established order has protected and preserved, 
that becomes a threat. And, and the people who are watching seem to be less concerned about the good blessing the man has received who was born blind. They're more concerned about how do we get rid of this Jesus guy? Yes. And the world is still divided on Jesus, aren't they? Yes. I mean, who is Jesus? And who do you think he is? And really, is he all that? And why are you putting your faith in him? And we don't even know where he came from. We're not sure about him. I mean, these are the questions of the chattering class around us. And we're here to tell you today, as you're listening to this program, Jesus is real, Jesus is alive, and Jesus is all that. He is the exact representation of God in human form. Now, there's another part of the story, Jamie, and when we come back, I want to just read a few more verses and get to the bottom line. If my heart is overwhelmed and I cannot hear your voice, I hold on to what is true, though I cannot see. If the storms of life, they come and the road ahead gets steep. If we continue reading in John chapter 9, we see that Jesus discovers that the man who had benefited from his blessing, this blind man, has been caught into a storm of controversy. And so that's why I'm picking up the story. Just a few more verses in chapter 9, and this is what the scripture says. When Jesus heard what had happened, that this man had been drawn into the controversy, he found the man and he asked, 
do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, the phrase Son of Man is a term that Jesus often used to describe himself, and it comes right out of the Old Testament. And it emphasizes that Jesus is divine. He's the Son of God, but he's also flesh and blood, just like us. Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the blind man, the man who had been blind, answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. What's so amazing right here is the man who has received his sight knows that Jesus is the channel. He's the touch that made it possible, but he's still not completely certain about who Jesus is. All he knows is he blessed me. And I have to pause here. Folks, you don't have to know everything about theology. You don't have to be able to explain the Trinity of God. You don't have to know the Bible frontwards and backwards. You don't have to have everything nailed down before Jesus can bless you. You just have to figure out that he is blessing you and then begin to honor him and you'll learn more. That's this man's journey. Yes, Lord, the man said, I do believe. And he worshiped Jesus. That should be the outcome. When we see the hand of God in our Mm -hmm. lives, that we worship Jesus. Now, Jesus then told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying that we are blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Ouch. Wow. Punch right there. (laughs) Jesus was very straightforward and clear. And what's important is that this story isn't really about physical blindness. This man was physically blind and now he can see. But what Jesus is saying is that, you know, there's a, a, a deeper level of vision And to see something is to comprehend. So have you ever used that in the English language, uh, Jamie, where you might say, oh, I see. Yes, I I mean, of course. (laughs) I mean, you already are seeing. Obviously, you're not a blind person. But when you say, I see, what you're saying is, oh, I get that. I I comprehend that. I understand that. This is new information. Oh, I see that now. See, seeing at its deepest level is about understanding and comprehension. And Jesus is saying here, there are people who are walking through this world right now, they've walked by Jesus, they've seen the hand of Jesus, they've seen the evidence of Jesus, and they still don't see Jesus. Mm -hmm. They still don't understand him. Mm -hmm. And the people who find themselves in that predicament can be offended when someone suggests, you know, you're not getting it. (laughs) You're blind. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happening here. The, Mm -hmm. The crowd of Pharisees are saying, are you saying that we're blind? No, we got this because we have all the information. We're intellectually tuned up. We have been well read. We have the education. We have the life experience. Our vision is broad. Our perspectives and horizons, you know, stretch from the east to the west. Yes, they were the keepers of the law. (laughs) That's exactly it. But we have that in our world today. There may Mm -hmm. be someone listening to us right now who thinks, I'm too sophisticated. I'm too well read. I'm too smart to fall for that Jesus line. And Jesus is speaking right now to you, bud. He's saying, (laughs) you know what? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, but you actually can see and you pretend to see and actually you're not getting it. You're not comprehending. Our hope for you listening today is that you'll be able to see, that you'll be able to see Jesus. John wrote this down for the purpose of helping you to see who he is. He's not just a figure in history. He's not just another guy, not just a famous name, not just a footnote in somebody's book on civilizations. John said, I'm writing this stuff down so that you can believe, so that you can see that Jesus is the Son of God. 
And that when you see that, when you believe that, you'll have life. Because ultimately, when you can see that truth, then everything in your world begins to change, not just in this life, but in the world to come. Today, wherever you are listening to us, whatever your challenges might be, whatever your history, whatever your lens or perspective, know this. Jesus is right close by. He actually is. And his spirit is striving in you right now. That's how you got to this program. I don't know how you turned us on, but you got here because Jesus brought you here. And today we want you to know you can see him. And we want to help you do that. How do you do it? Start by praying. In a way, if you're not driving your car, just close your eyes so you can see and pray with us. Our Father, we're so thankful today that you are close by, that you know us each one by name, and that you have equipped all of us, whatever our physical capacities might be, you've equipped each of us with a soul that can see and know and be known. And we are thankful for your son, Jesus, who discloses to us who you are, the creator, the father of us. You have shown us yourself in Jesus. Jesus tells us that when we see him, we see you. And so it is in his name that we pray that you will help us to see and to understand, to comprehend who you are through Christ. We thank you for the work that Jesus has done in this world. We thank you for the way in which he sacrificed himself on the cross to pay our dues. We admit, Lord, that we have dues to be paid, that we have not lived in a way to deserve your favor. And we accept by faith the gracious covering of his blood and his life. And we ask, Lord, that you'll cause us to be born again and that you'll open our eyes so that we can see. And in all of this, Lord, I'm praying I'm praying for everyone who's joined us in this prayer today, wherever they are, that they will find life, new life. And I'm asking that as anyone has joined us in this prayer and surrendered their lives into your hand today, that that person will, within seven days, find evidence of new life, unassailably, indisputably, in their own journey. May our vision of you be clear, and may that set everything in our lives right, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, if you'd like to know more about this Jesus who has been the center of our story today, give us a call. Just dial this number 1-800-757-VIEW 24 hours a day and seven days a week. Now, maybe you don't want to ask a question. You just want to make a comment or ask us to pray with you. Just dial the number 1-800-757-8439. If you'd prefer not to call us up, though, and just check us out online first. We welcome that as well. And we have a web address. Jamie, what would that be? cbhviewpoint.org. That's right. CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope, cbhviewpoint.org. Just check out the ministry there. You could also send us an email. We will reply. Or at the last, if you prefer, write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018 USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, or reach out by post, please let us hear from you this week. Jamie, I can see you right across from me in this studio, and we're so glad to see you there. Thanks for coming. It's so good to be here. Thanks for having me. And we can't exactly see you out in radio or online land, but we know you're there. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll join us again next week as we continue our series in the Gospel of John talking about the ways in which Jesus can give us life that's more than enough. Until then, for all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of this broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.